My name is Ryan McKenzie, and I beat the often path by measuring the success of our business based on the amount of plastic we reduce from landfills. Welcome back to the Beat the Often Path podcast. I'm your host, Ross Palmer. On this show, we showcase unusual success stories to help you think outside the box and see the bigger picture in your life and your career. Today, we've got Ryan McKenzie in the house, and he has one of those stories that makes you feel that truly anything is possible. He co-founded a business based on a patented eco-friendly laundry strip. Now, his product is vastly better for the environment than traditional laundry methods, and his company took off almost immediately. Now, laundry is a sneaky but incredibly wasteful industry, and his company, True Earth, has already eliminated an estimated 6 million plastic jugs from landfills while donating nearly 10 million loads of laundry to those in need. So if you want a truly inspirational tale about building an eight-figure business and counting and saving the planet in the process, then this episode is really for you. So here's Ryan McKenzie of True Earth. Well, that's a great, noble mission. So I've looked at your website. I've seen, first of all, thank you for joining me on the show. I really appreciate you being here I have looked at your website and I love how your idea for your company was started because I can relate to it so much. So you were sitting there watching YouTube kids with your four-year-old child. <laughs> That's where it all began. And you noticed them yeah. essentially celebrating the use of plastic. Yeah, like it's it's funny. These kids are so addicted to watching these shows of kids opening toys and you see, I see it in my own kids, or less now that they're getting a bit older, but before it would be like those little dopamine toys that they open up and they get a surprise toy every time. And there'd be the plastic from the toy, the plastic from the, the, the packaging, and then the toy itself was plastic. And after they opened it and played with it for 30 seconds, they didn't care about it anymore. And when we were watching the show, they were opening like this treasure chest and it was just like this huge treasure chest and it had like 20 or 30 of those dopamine bomb toys inside. They're all wrapped in plastic. The treasure chest is wrapped in plastic. The treasure chest is made of plastic. All the toys, you know, and by the time they, they finished opening them all, there was this heaping pile of plastic. And um, I, for, for months, I had been going through this new parent anxiety phase where I was worried about the future for them. And it wasn't something that I really experienced. Like when, when I was just a guy living in the world, you know, like I'm okay taking care of myself. But when you got little people, uh, you, you don't know how they're going to be able to fend and some of the stuff that I heard like Elon Musk, Musk talking about, about, you know, robots in the future and climate <laughs> change and is there going to be enough food for people? And it was just like, I was like really stressed about what, what the future. And we had this opportunity presented to us, um, the laundry strip specifically, uh, probably a, a year earlier. And we had kind of kicked it down the road and, you know, it, is it really, does that even really work? Um, how do you go against the big, the big boys, the big companies in in the industry, like it was pr primarily dominated by a few companies, and uh, I just didn't think that it would be possible. And kind of had this like aha moment um, that this is something that I could use to uh, not only cope with my anxiety but also um, make the world potentially a better place or create a tool that could give people an opportunity to make one better choice that will lead to less plastic, which in turn should lead to reduced climate change, reduced you know, pollution, and a number of other things. 
Well, speaking of anxiety, I think the most impressive thing that I have seen from your intro is that you are watching YouTube kids' videos with your kids. I don't have the stomach for it, personally. I leave my <laughs> daughter to the iPad. I can't watch that garbage. I recognize that she loves it, but oof, it is tough. And I know you know what I'm talking about. It's yeah. a barren wasteland. But it led you to something really good. Um, and you said that you weren't previously super into eco-friendly things, but obviously having kids changes us all. It changed me. I have a three-year-old daughter myself, so... I don't know exactly when your kids were four and three years old, um, but I also think a lot about the future. You can't help it. You have to think about what kind of world are they going to be in. And it's not enough to say, I'll probably get through most of these problems myself, and then you're just teeing up enormous disaster. So I'm uh, congratulations for doing something about it. And you teamed up with a business partner who... Uh, explain how that idea came about exactly. Okay, so I mean, there's actually... There's actually three of us, and we, okay. we had been in business uh, in the in the past together. So we used to be in the outdoor human propelled outdoor adventure space. Uh, Interesting. We had, uh, uh, magazine for outdoor adventure um, enthusiasts. It's called Explore Magazine. It's actually still around, mm -hmm. but um, so and we had helped. So we'd build some subscription products there, and then we had helped a couple other media companies that were struggling. Um, also build some subscription alternatives outside of just their magazines to, to help keep their business afloat. So when uh, Brad, so Brad and Kevin are my two partners and Brad's, Brad has like a um, extended family member who had invested in this patent and they were just at like a dinner party. This is like pre COVID when you could still have, I guess you can probably have dinner parties again now, but maybe not quite to the same extent, yeah. but anyways, they were at Rare. dinner parties <laughs> and he kept, he kept bringing it up. He's like, you guys are so good with these subscription products you guys should really look at like this dollar shave club type business model for, for this product. And like I said, we, we kind of were like, I don't know, I, you know, I, I, when it was presented, like it wasn't presented physically with the product. It was just like talked about. And I just didn't think, um, I usually have a strip somewhere around here. I didn't think this little strip would be able to physically clean my clothes. But so around that time that I was watching that particular YouTube show, I like, I started looking at the stats on plastic waste just from like laundry detergent. And there's about a billion jugs purchased in North America every year. And at the absolute best end of the stats that I can find is about 30% are recycled in any capacity. So 10% are actually physically repurposed into a new, new stuff. And 20% is uh, used, burned for, for energy or however they uh, leverage it for energy. Um, so I was like, wow, that means 700 million jugs every year are ending up in landfills. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's a really big opportunity to address, right? Like not like opportunity, sorry, I'm, I'm positioning a problem in a positive light, but like that's to me, whenever there's a problem, there's an opportunity for you to do something about it. And you know, whether it's finding somebody that's already built the technology to address it or whatever it is. So to me, I'm like, okay, well, this is a problem that I could feel good about, um, you know, working on. And uh, so Brad and I talked about it. We got some samples in and we tried it. Like, and my wife tried it and his wife tried it and Kevin tried it and Kevin's wife tried it. And we're like, well, this actually works pretty good. Like I'm, I'm blown away. And so we were like, okay, we'll give this a shot. We'll, we'll see if we can sell 150 packages in, in the first month, then, then I think that we were onto something. And we, we had over 1500 people subscribe in, in the very first month. So we're like, 
that's that's probably a pretty good sign. And you know, fast forward now, I think we're we're close to six hundred thousand customers two and a half years later, and Oof. pushing pushing like one hundred and sixty thousand active subscribers uh, receiving the product in some capacity. Brilliant! Like, so an almost immediate success, basically, you would say. Yeah, well, I mean, it's been a world. I mean, there's been so many things that have happened along the way that have kind of limited our ability to really experience um, kind of what the, what it feels like. Because, you know, first it was COVID. And then, and I mean, COVID's here. You know, there's still all sorts of rules here in Vancouver. and But uh, it's finally getting to a point where we can kind of realize it. But th- also that level, that speed of growth is... Is, is pretty stressful. Um, there's systems are constantly breaking. Um, but I mean, I've been involved with a lot of other businesses in the past and I don't know, I'm sure other entrepreneurs have probably noticed similar things, but like when you start to get overwhelmed and it's just about the money, it's really easy to say, what am I doing this for? But when, mm. when you start getting overwhelmed and you have like a purpose and like for, for me, it's like the future of my, my children and like, you know, reducing plastic and potentially helping help being, you know, a small cog in reducing climate change. Like it's pretty hard to quit on that. And so, you know, it's like, it, it's a lot harder to cop out when it's, when it's just about the money. And it's, it's funny because people start getting into entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial lifestyles typically for, for the idea of like this dream lifestyle and everything like that. And like right now, this is like kind of the polar opposite. It's like, it's like nonstop, um, go, 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 go. Um, stress, stress, stress. But it's a lot easier to accept this period of, of mental anguish or torture or whatever <laughs> you want to call it in exchange for what we're doing and what we're working on and the impact that we could potentially have on the future. Um, so I, I kind of got off on a tangent there, but uh, yeah, that's how, kind of how it started. And, and yeah. Well, I definitely want to unpack that because there's a lot there, especially about building the kind of business, which is a theme that's come up in a bunch of these episodes. What kind of business do you want to build? The biggest you possibly can, the one that's best for your lifestyle. So I want to get into that in a bit. But first, I want to discuss the very, very first month. So you set a very easy target. You said 30 days. So you had access to this patent. You pooled your resources. What did you do in the first 30 days? What did that look like attempting this? Yeah, so we we put up a build a website, pretty pretty straightforward. Um, and actually, majority of the website still looks the same, um, which is crazy because we've Shopify. A, no, it's not. No, we have our, we actually have our own software as a service okay. um, that we built called the machine. But um, we uh, yeah, so we put we put that up. Kevin built it, built the built the put built the framework for everything, put it up. And uh, when we first launched, we only had a subscription and it was only monthly, which was a horrible idea. If anybody's starting a subscription business, make sure you let people choose how often they get the product. Uh, but um, we launched that and we started with, uh, we, d- we did Facebook ads. I think near the end of the first month, we started rolling out some Google ads. We started seeing success with the Facebook ads like on day two. Day one, nothing. Uh, the first customer that we ever had, I, I used to, when I was having a downtime in my entrepreneurial journey, I had to go do sales at a cell phone store, uh, Bell here in, here in Canada. And, uh, which was pretty embarrassing for me at the time, but, um, I got a lot of really great things out of, out of doing it. Um, I, but anyways, I email, I texted one of, uh, one of the girls that I used to work with and I'm like, Hey, check out this new thing that we, 
we put out and uh, I didn't like tell her to buy it or anything like that. And she was our first customer. So pretty cool that somebody I know that I didn't actually solicit to buy it um, was our first customer. But um, between the Facebook ads, the Google ads, you know, the other thing that we did is we had the product put in a subscription box with I think around 4,000 4, subscribers. And basically that was, that was it. That was the catalyst um, between, and, and when I say Facebook ads, I, that's inclusive of like Instagram and, you know, the whole Facebook network. But um, pretty much, pretty much that was, that was the gist of it. And the, the fact that the product was rather novel and different than what people were used to seeing, uh, I think it created a lot of, a lot of curiosity. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty straightforward, you know, some Facebook ads some Google ads and it, you know, there was a couple things that were probably going in our favor that month. It was April 2019. So Greta Thunberg um, was uh, very visible at the time. There was a lot of discussion around climate change and, and whatnot. But that's one thing. And then uh, the second thing was uh, Earth Day falls in April. So April, for in terms of like launching environmental products, uh, April is a fantastic month because there's a, a lot of a lot of uh, uh, a lot of noise, a lot of, a lot of people talking about uh, that type of thing during that period. So we had a lot of success on our Earth Day promotion as well. Oh, not again. Hey there, Timmy. What the hell do you want this time? I want to talk to you about trucks. Fine, Timmy. Well, what about them? What do trucks do? Trucks ship a lot of things, but chief among them is water. So many things you buy, Timmy, contain water, like shampoo, soda, Actual water, bottled water, and half the crap you see in a grocery store. But I don't understand. Doesn't every home already have water? Why do we need to ship water around so much? Oh, Timmy, you really are a pesky brat, aren't you? I've said it before, I'll say it again. We've always done things this way, so we will always continue to do things this way. End of story. <laughs> You're no fun. And when you say Facebook, Instagram ads, was those uh, videos or what type of ads were you running? Yeah, no, the, initially they weren't videos. And initially they were just like, like literally I took my phone, I took a, I put my, I pulled, I had the package sitting on my, I, I had an older washer and dryer. So I had my, the package sitting on my older top load washer and I had a strip in my hand about to go into the, into the, into the wash. And I think just like, People are like, what is that thing, you know? And it, it worked really well. Those types of ads aren't working as well for us two and a half years later now that we've served, you know, almost a billion ads in Canada and like Oof. close to the same in, in the U.S. But um, that's just primarily because we've created awareness around that product type. Yep, that makes perfect sense. So you realized, okay, this is working pre the Apple privacy laws that supposedly <laughs> killed off businesses like yours, uh, which we'll get into. Um, so you've, you've got pretty quick validation that people enjoy this, which is awesome. How many people, or how quick was it before you started bringing other people on board and realizing, okay, we've got a business here? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think like, so I'm trying to remember who like was employee number. So we had one employee from our other company that wound up coming over and helping a lot right out the gates. And then I think it was, I can't remember if we hired... A salesperson first, or if we hired customer service, but it was either uh, either Sydney, who's our still our she's our customer experience uh, team uh, manager um, right now. It was either her or uh, Jacob, who's one of our um, one of our, our sales guys that works with retail. But they 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 came on pretty quickly. Um, 
I, I honestly, like, it's such a blur. Like, the first three months, yeah, I think it was customer service that came on first. But I, I you know, it, this is the, 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 the longest, fastest two and a half years of my life. <laughs> but we're, we now have, like, 240 employees. So it's Oof. quite a big difference. <laughs> That's huge. Do you feel like you're still in control or is it just you're letting go? Definitely not in control. Um, no, I feel like, I feel like we, I feel like we're in control to, to some extent for sure. Like we've, we've hired a lot of really talented people. I think like, I think what, one of the differences between, um, trying to bring people up when you're in that like insane growth phase versus hiring people that have already been there and experienced it. Like it's great to bring people up. Don't get me wrong. But like if it, what winds up happening a lot of times is that the problem solving happens at the top and gets pushed down, I guess. So what we've, what we've done, I, I think really well is we've hired like our, our COOs from uh, Gillette and, and, and Kroger um, or yeah, Kroger. Um, we've got our director of sales came from Johnson and Johnson. Um, oh. Our director of marketing came from Johnson and Johnson. We just hired a CFO. Like we've, we've put like really smart people um, in, in the right seats and, it's uh, it's just allowed us to not have to stumble as much through that like the, the different learning pits that you you come across as as, as businesses grow because if you've, never, if you've never been there before like the only way you you either you either pay somebody who who has the has the wisdom or you get the wisdom by by falling and getting back up again and fixing the, the challenge and like we're kind of at that place where you know falling hurts a lot worse than it did mm. when we were, you know, 10,000 customers in. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Yeah, there's so much more at stake. Well, I have a question. So when you first began, so you have this idea, presumably you had a prototype when you first started bringing this thing to market. So many people in your position, they really struggle to scale or to fulfill that first batch of orders. How did you sort that out? Was that a challenge when the demand was higher than you thought it would be? I mean that there's been multiple scenarios over the, the last three years or two and a half years where we've had those challenges. Like 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 for instance on uh, on Earth Day this year we did like we did like half a million in sales. I think we had like like five thousand customers in one day. And up until summertime, we fulfilled everything from our warehouse here in Port Moody, British Columbia. So like like everything all over the world was all fulfilled here and. Uh, it was just like our warehouse team's amazing. Like they were, they would be working insane hours, having tons of people in there going. But like, it, you just you when you have that much volume, it's hard to keep up. So, uh, couple that with the logistics challenges that we've had, both like like domestically shipping things as well as like uh, we we don't have problems really with importing because our products manufactured here in Canada. But like, there's just there's been challenges there. So what we've done. Uh, We've actually moved our to make a better experience in the United States. We've moved our logistics to um, third-party logistics centers uh, distributed across the U.S. We have like three fulfillment centers, which has done two things. Like, if anything gets stuck at customs, it's, it's going to take like two weeks. Canada Post can be slow to get to the U.S., so now we get like three-day delivery in the U.S., um, which dramatically improves the customer experience. And yeah. um, you know. If you if you want your product to con people to continue sharing it, you want you want them to be delighted the whole the whole way through. So now our Canadian our Canadian 
uh, fulfillment center fulfills Canada and it fulfills kind of the rest, well, outside of a few countries, the rest of the world. Um, but we've been able to eliminate the like massive overload that they used to experience when when we, when we would have like a good run. <laughs> so sure. yes, we've had, we've had challenges and we've had time, we've had issues with deliveries a few times. Um, we're not perfect, you know, nobody, uh, it, it's difficult. Uh, you know, I, I, I empathize with the, the people that have had um, delivery challenges or it took a while to get there, but um, you know, we're learning, we're, we're growing and um, hopefully we don't make those mistakes again, but it's part of, part of growth. Sure. So where are you manufacturing your product nowadays? New Brunswick, Canada. Local? Um, okay. Yeah. That's great. So you don't have to worry about that. Um, and how, how would you say for the people who aren't sure about what we're talking about, we're talking about laundry strips that replace plastic laundry jugs. How is it more eco-friendly? What goes into it? What goes into the packaging? How is it better than the alternative? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know who can see the screen or whatever Got right now. Video but like going. The, the video. So this is, this is the package. This holds, oh, this is an eight load package. It's basically the same. It looks like a small packet of printer paper, high quality printer paper. Yeah. So this is like, uh, it's partially post Thin. a consumer recycled, uh, packaging and, and our 32 load packs are compostable as well as recyclable. But like, uh, so first of all, no plastic. Um, and it's made from, uh, partially post-consumer recycled paper. So that's, that's the first thing. And then second of all, this weighs, um, each strip weighs like, I think it's about like j just shy of two grams. So 32 loads is 64 grams with the packaging is less than a hundred grams, which is less than a quarter of a pound. If, if you're in the U S um, that's like three ounces um, versus if you were to look at a 32 load jug of liquid laundry detergent, it weighs about, they're like 1.3 something, uh, 1.25 uh, liters, um, which is probably about three to four pounds. So it's like less than 10% of the, the actual weight. So not only do we reduce plastic, but you're also getting a dramatic reduction in transportation related carbon footprint. So when trucks, like everything has to pretty much be moved around by a big truck. That's, you know, we can't, horses can't pull stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what's beneficial about these is that in the same space that one plastic jug would normally occupy, we could probably get, you know, 15 to 20 packages in that same space. Um, that, that, that's that's basically thing number two. And then number three is uh, there's a massive over uh, dosing problem with laundry detergent. People think that more laundry detergent equals cleaner clothes. And the, the primary ingredient in laundry detergent that actually cleans your clothes are surfactants. And what there's, it's interesting that once you get to a certain threshold of surfactants in the water, doesn't matter how many, how much more you add, it doesn't actually increase the cleaning power of your clothes. So they, the, the plastic jugs, for instance, have, or the lids have like multiple lines in it for measuring. And, you know, every, the statistically, I think people overdose their laundry by about 33% on average. And then also it's full of water. So that, that's right. the carbon footprint side. But um, from an environmental perspective, you're having to, a lot of times people will have to do an additional rinse cycle because there's two, the surfactants aren't getting out of the clothes and you're having a residue. So ours are pre-dosed 
like the perfect amount so that you're not your, your clothes aren't coming out slimy. You don't need to do an extra rinse cycle. And we the act the, the amount of the amount of uh, detergent or surfactant specifically is at the at the optimal amount for uh, cleaning a regular size load of laundry. Sure. So that makes less, sense. basically, sorry, long way of saying makes, less, less, chem, yeah, less chemicals yeah, going into, water. into waterways. Shipping water never, ever, ever makes sense, right? No. That's generally a very bad idea. Um, so here's, here's a question that I had for you. So you get into this business. I love this tension that I see in so many professional endeavors. At the root of it all, there's something that you want to do for your kids. Your kids are the motivation thinking about their future. And then you build a business and you think, okay, I'm going to do something for the entire world. Does that mean that you're not able to be home with your own kids more? Is the stress of building this business, are you able to strike a personal balance or not yet? I think I do. Um, when I like look at it objectively, like when I stand back, I'm pretty good. Uh, a few years ago, I think I was actually worse for disconnecting when I, when I went home. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just as, I'm, I still have my challenges where I look at my phone too much and like, like sometimes I wish I could just throw my phone away, but it's uh, whatever. That's a whole nother issue. And it's, I think my phone is a bigger issue than anything else. And I'm not necessarily doing work when I have it, but, uh, for the most part, like one thing I was doing for a while with my kids was that I'm, I'm not doing it as much lately because they were getting obsessed with it, but I would, every day I would give each kid 15 minutes where they can like the other kids are, I have three kids. They were allowed to pick what we do. And they, for 15 minutes, we would just do whatever it was that they wanted and they get to choose. So they get to feel like they're getting um, like active attention and I care what they think. And uh, that slowly moved up to like 30 minutes each. And then it was starting to become like this thing where like, they didn't want to go to movies. They didn't want to go and like do things as a family because it would cut into their, their, they called it their minutes. Um, so now, like you know, I try to I try to try to do it um, without naming it this thing because they were just like they loved it, which is awesome. It made me feel really good, and it made me it definitely checked the boxes in my brain uh, for um, like like dad anxiety or just like guilt. But it, it, it with three kids, it was it was very time consuming. So now now when I come home, I try to play with them. I try to you know whether it's uh, playing Mario Party, or where I can get everybody playing, or um, going. We, they, they do sports like every day too. So I'm like, I usually leave work probably an hour before five, and we go to like tonight. We, yesterday we had hockey. Tonight we have hockey. Tomorrow soccer. The next day actually is a day off, and there's dance and musical theater and soccer and more hockey. So it's I try to I try to be I try to be there and I try to be present. But I feel like no matter what I do. In my head, it's never enough. Like, I feel like I could do better. I feel that. I know that feeling. I think every parent who's trying to build a career knows that in some degree or another. You feel like you're either taking away from your business or you're taking away from your kids. You feel, especially when my daughter was first born, I felt that a lot. I felt like I was kind of failing everybody just a little bit. Uh, Apparently, that's normal. I've come to learn, but it's maybe a bit exaggerated in your case. Uh. Do you think that you want to put a cap on growth? Because one of my earlier guests, she is the founder of EcoBags, and she said, I only want to do $2 million in sales per year because that's enough for me and my small team. 
I punch in every day at this hour. I swim every day. I punch out, and I don't think about business after I punch out because I'm building a life, and this is just a piece of that. Or do you think I'm just going to grow this as big as I can? I think I honestly, I think it depends on what day you ask me. Um, you know, there's days where I'm I'm like, let's let's see where this goes, and there's days where like I, I'm tired um, and I'm, I'm stressed and. I think from my perspective overall is that I want to change the way that the world, like not only does laundry, but I want to change the way they, I want to, I want to influence big brands to change the way that they package their products. I want to influence the way that people look at how, what they purchase for their house. Like I want to, I basically want to influence, and not me, it's not about ego. It's just like, I, if we've come this far and like we're, we're we have major penetration in Canada, like we have like I think 1.5% of laundry detergent market already, and we're like Incredible. on social media. My Facebook rep told me the other day that we have 15% of share of voice for Facebook ads across the entire CPG uh category in Canada. So, amazing, I think like sorry, what did you say? I said, amazing. That's yeah, incredible. Yeah, that, 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 that blew my mind. But like, as much as, as much as I don't necessarily want to be involved in the, the kind of things that come with the bigger part of business, like I don't, I don't say that like I don't want to, but as, long, as, as much as they're kind of like maybe not the, my favorite thing to do, I, I don't feel like we've come this far to not continue to push this product and give people the opportunity to look at like – that eco-friendly products can not only just exist in this vacuum where, because most people look at eco-friendly products and they think, okay, either it doesn't work as well, uh, it's, it's, it's more expensive, or it's more work for me to use the product than traditional products. Right, something's so, got to be wrong. Right, yeah, so there's, there's friction in some capacity. But I think our product is a perfect example for other products that, listen, if you want to put out an eco-friendly product and you want to actually make a difference, like go the extra step, make the product just as easy to use as what they're used to, make it work just as well as what they're used to and provide it in a, you know, a packaging that, that isn't, isn't just there to benefit the um, shelf life of the product, but is there to, to eliminate some of the, the, the mess that we're, we've created. So uh, do I, do I, would I, would I be all right capping it? Maybe, but I think I, the reason that we started this was to make a difference. And for me, stopping in the middle of that would kind of like be counterintuitive. I completely understand. Okay, folks, it's that time. It's often said in life that there are two things that are certain, death and taxes. Well, there's a third thing, death, taxes, and somebody who puts on a lot of work to create a show asking you to subscribe and support that show. Three things that you can count on with shocking reliability. This is me humbly asking you to support this show. Rate it five stars. Share it with somebody who needs to hear this. Maybe somebody who's wanted to build an eco-friendly business. Wink, wink. <coughs> Something like that. Rate it five stars. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts on Spotify, your podcast platform of choice. But whatever you do, help support this show because it can't grow without people like you. So that's all I ask. Now back to Ryan McKenzie. 
And there's also, it seems like an intentional component to some of this. Like we find ourselves in this situation where we're shipping all of this water, Coca-Cola, laundry detergent, so many examples of just shipping water. But there is a component that feels kind of deliberate about these errors that are being made. Just like, I don't know if you remember that old marketing campaign, the genius slogan where somebody said, hey, nobody's using enough Alka-Seltzer. Let's make a slogan that says plop, plop, fizz, fizz. And that was their slogan, doubling the amount of purchases of Alka-Seltzer. Because before then, it was just plop, fizz. People thought one was enough. And they're like, no, 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 use two. So you talk about overdosing in laundry as if these things are accidents. But the truth is they're probably they've been caused by people trying to sell more of their traditional products. Right. We want you to overdose because then you buy more. We want you to have all of these expensive things because it benefits our bottom line. Do you feel that kind of deliberate? I don't want to say ignorance, but willful harming of the planet. Do you see that as you're going up against some of these big competitors? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that they probably said, like, let's let's overdose the product intentionally so that we damage the planet. I, I don't, I mean, I don't think that anybody's that malicious. I, I think that they, there's a possibility that um, there's, there's a, an extra line there because, you know, no harm, no foul. Somebody uses more laundry detergent. You know, maybe their clothes get clean, maybe cleaner, maybe maybe they don't, right? Like it's probably easy to to turn a blind. I I don't know. I, I think like some maybe maybe some of it's done intentionally to generate additional revenue, um, sell more units. But I, I you know maybe I'm being rationally optimistic here that I don't think that they're doing it because they want to put more jugs in landfills. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think I don't think that the people that run those businesses are necessarily evil. I think that they're trying to drive additional revenue and, right. and I don't know, you know, I, I don't want to point fingers at people. It's not really my, sure. not I really guess my to jam. Be, to be clear, <laughs> I'm not suggesting that they're trying to harm the planet actively, but I think in the pursuit of perpetual growth, which every mm-hmm. business is in, in business for, if you're looking for growth at all costs, it's not that you're necessarily saying, I want to fill up the landfills. You're saying, I want my numbers to go up every quarter. And that's just a consequence. But how do you get your numbers to go up? Obviously, getting people to buy more is one easy way, you know, over all of these things. So that's more of what I'm saying, just to put a little asterisk on my previous comments. And I've read Um, other stuff, too, like from like chocolate bar companies where they like slowly remove, uh, they slowly remove like ingredients and that are expensive and they don't see like a big drop in, in sales immediately. But then when you take like iteration 2006 and you eliminate certain ingredients up to 2016 and you compare the two products like there's one the one the new one's disgusting in comparison to the old one but there's been this really small gradual decline in, in customers between those two those two kind of like uh, cohorts and it's like it's kind of like this is kind of the same thing but instead of like selling more it's like re- reducing what you're giving or like the size of a a McChicken sandwich at McDonald's has gotten progressively smaller over time right. right like you either reduce what you give or you you suggest that they take more right yep i completely agree and there's that cadbury egg fiasco where somebody stacked them up they collected them and it shrunk by 33% <laughs> over a period of so many years more packaging more product sales higher price so we see this trend i think in a lot of places, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think some, some of it's to deal with inflation. Some of it's, you know, like you said, try to uh, shareholder value at all costs. Yeah. 
So now that you're in an eco-business, do you feel compelled to make other parts of the business more eco-friendly? Are you thinking about this across the board, like uh, fair employee compensation? Are you trying to build your business in a different way in addition to just the product you sell? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things that we're, we're we're trying to do. Like we um, we donate a lot of product, so we for every for every package that's every subscription that's uh, started, we donate 32 loads um, to people in need around uh, North America, and we sent some to Ghana for for new moms and stuff too. But so we've donated uh, at this point more than 10 million 10 million loads, which is like don't quote me on this, but I think it's like 2.5 million dollars worth of laundry detergent since. We started doing that in March of 2020, just around COVID. Um, you know, looking at other things like, like even how you ship product. Um, like, one thing that that we've done is that like our when we ship our product, um, we actually use the package as a shipper. It, dep- it depends where it's being shipped from. If it's in the U.S., I don't know. If, I don't not. I don't think it actually works that way. But in Canada, we literally print the label on the package and we reduce. Some some uh, logistical waste. Um, you know, we're looking at other things like the when you ship pallets of stuff, they have to be wrapped. So we've been investigating different um, different products that help eliminate some of the waste. Um, you know, the the HR side of things, we've got like we've got a lot of interesting programs going on internally here, like um, uh, equality courses and um include include inclusion courses and we do a lot of like uh, really really cool internal stuff to to try to try to be uh you know it's 20 it's 2021 people people uh we we're try to be extremely respectful of people's choices and try to support them and um there's a lot of little things i mean i'm not tied to the 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 day-to-day on the hr side of things um but i i see like some of the macro stuff that's going on and um yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. The people that that do work here are, are, are you know, they're ambassadors of the brand, and uh, we're actually the largest. I think we're the single largest private employer in the city that we're in, which is uh, pr- pr- pretty That's fun. Great. Yeah. What's your next goal? What would you like to see in the next year, the next five years, if everything went perfectly? Yeah, you know, it's funny, like everybody's always so like big on these five-year goals and you don't have to answer if it's a stupid question no 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 it's not a stupid question it's actually something like i've been like contemplating for myself because i don't i've never really been like like the goals the short-term goals that i do put out for myself i i almost always hit them but i'm not like i'm not a habitual um like what am what am i doing next year but as as a company you know we're looking to we definitely want to produce more, uh, more, more tools for people to use that give them the opportunity to um, to make little changes. I'm like, because our whole philosophy is little hinges swing swing big doors, and um, a, a lot of little changes uh, lead up to really big impact. So our goal as a company is to give consumers the ability to, or kind of be a conduit for them to make little changes, give them, make one easy place that they can go and make these small changes. And if they, if we can get 7 billion people to all start making little changes, we're going to be a heck of a lot better than if we had, you know, 1 billion people being perfect. I completely agree. And funny enough, you talked about your love of audio. An audio engineer, Dave Pensato, one of the greats of audio engineering land, 
He has a great metaphor based on that where he says, how do you make a Formula One car 500 pounds lighter? Well, you don't just lift out the engine. You shave off an ounce from thousands of different parts. So few people live that way in their life. And he was, of course, referring to if you make tiny improvements in a mix, the audio experience will be better, obviously. But so few people live, you know, there's such an all or nothing mentality that I've noticed. And as somebody who has, who started out one way in life, I grew up in a family where we didn't talk, where we made fun of vegetarians and all of these things. That's just the reality that I grew up in. And then later in life, I learned, hey, these are maybe things I should start paying attention to. I've witnessed such an all or nothing mentality from so many people who aren't on the eco-friendly bandwagon. It's like, You either eat meat every single day of the week or you never, ever, ever consume an animal product. You either, you know, drive a Hummer and you get one gallon per mile or you, uh, you know, or you, you do something totally extreme. But very few people seem to acknowledge this massive gray area where a little choice here. And again, like you said, it's, it's, it's multiplied. Billions of people making one tiny choice does have an impact. At RP Corporation Global, we love water. That's why we ship it around the world. Water is heavy, it takes up a lot of space, and it's something you already have in your home. Not only do we ship you water, we also package that water in single-use plastic, harming the world not once, but several times. At RP Corporation Global, we harm the planet because we love you. And money. RP Corporation Global would like to assure its shareholders that it absolutely loves money more than you. Unilever shipping 100 million fewer bottles of plastic does have an impact. So I completely agree that this is how this is how it happens. But very few people do. Do you experience that? Maybe or your business is not quite in that area. But no, like I think I think I mean personally, like I, I struggle with binary thinking too. Like you know, if I get upset about something, it's like it's on or off. And for the most part, like I'm a very I'm a very binary person in terms of like, I'm either good at something or I'm terrible at it. And I, I, I don't operate well in the middle, but um, I think if you, if you like, because of, and that's a very social media thing too, right? Like you're either, you're either evil or you're awesome. Like, right. and you know, like it doesn't matter, like it doesn't matter where it sits, what else you did in that same, in that same sentence, it's just that one thing that makes you either good or bad. And um, I think that's, pr- that's a really big problem with a lot of, um, I mean, extremists in general. And I think if you want people to participate in a movement or start changing, you got to people, we need to stop shaming them because nobody's perfect. Everybody comes from somewhere and they've learned what they've learned. And in order to transition, they have to, they have to, they're, they're going to be, imperfect and I'm imperfect. Right. I, I have things that I don't do right that are tied to the we environmental yeah. environment. And I, you know, I, I try to improve and I try to be better, but like when, when we shame people, it's like, imagine, imagine you have a, a, a son and he loves football and you, Tom Brady comes over to your house and he's like super excited that Tom Brady's coming over. And then Tom Brady goes and throws him the ball and he almost catches it and drops it. And, you know, he's not feeling very good about it. And Tom Brady comes over and starts yelling, what the hell's wrong with you? Can't you catch a football? What, you're useless. This is stupid. You can't catch a football. You shouldn't play playing football. Get out of here. You're terrible. That kid's never going to want to play football again. You've just True. basically made that person think that 
football or whatever it is that you're trying to get them to, to do is horrible because their experience is that you know they're guilty of something or they're bad and now that's associated with that their, their identity is associated negatively with that particular thing so mm -hmm. we, we as human beings we need to stop uh, uh, canceling people for their behaviors and instead provide them alternatives or understand that we're all human we all screw up we all make mistakes and the other great thing about being human is that you can change the way that you look at problems. You can change your behavior and you can change the way you look at you know, anything in this world. And when you present that in a way to them that resonates with how they think, whether it's like with entertainment or humor, which we do a lot of, um, you can get them to pay attention. And then that idea gets planted in their head in a positive way. And then they actually want to take action on it versus feeling guilty. Like nobody does anything out of guilt. I mean, they do, no. but like they don't do it because they want to. They do it because they feel bad about it. And you want people right. to want to change. I completely, completely agree with everything that you just said. Very insightful there. Now, in your business, you experienced, again, virtually immediate success, immediate validation of the idea. How important is that, do you think, for fledgling entrepreneurs? Do you think it's, would you go on the record saying, if you don't experience that, you probably have a bad business idea? Because on the one hand, you've got a lot of businesses that had some sort of almost immediate validation, many people that I've talked to. On the other hand, you've got this whole, speaking of social media, whole group of business influencers who say things like, keep on grinding and grind for years. And hey, if you're not seeing success, just keep on going for years and years and years. Who knows when it comes? Where do you stand on that? Yeah, I, I've done the grinding thing for years and it sucks. Like, you know, like it sucks. And then you grind forever and then something changes and now you have nothing. Um, I, I don't, I don't hundred uh, percent believe and I, I really hate the like whole 10x hustle, uh, work, your, work, work yourself to the bone. I think people need to work smarter. Um, I'm a big believer in when you're launching something or creating something that you set a target for what you're doing. And in a, with, a, with, a, with a time frame, like a smart goal or whatever, you know, uh, I can't remember what the acronym goes right now, but like if you don't hit those numbers, measurable, then yeah. Yeah, whatever it is. And uh, you can Google it. I'm sure you find it in 10 seconds. But if you don't hit those numbers, like for us, we have this process called VLOS, V-L-O-S, Validate, Launch, Optimize, Scale. And we always pick a number. And if we don't hit that number in that period, then we're either, okay, what, is, what are we doing wrong here? What, is, there, is, there, is the messaging wrong? Is the, is the avatar wrong? Like, if, if there's not something that's a clear... Uh, a clear reason for the lack of success. Um, and we've done our proper research to know who we should, we should be handing this to. Then personally, like, I, I don't think, I don't think I would stay married to an idea. I think I would, I would, I would quit and, and start something different unless it was clear that we just need to pivot our messaging or pivot the, 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 the target customer. Um, but you know, that's me. Um, I, I, I like to, I like to, create offers and test them with paid media because it's the fastest way for me to like my you you only have so much time on this planet um i would rather spend some money and fail and move on than to spend like two years committing to setting this whole thing up and then launching it crickets 
and just try, continue, continuously trying to pivot. It's just like this like exercise in, in like self-torment. And yeah, it's soul crushing, yeah. Like I've done it before. I've done it trying to fix things for like years and like just being perpetually stressed. It's just, it's not healthy, I don't think. And I don't think being an entrepreneur as a whole in a startup environment is generally healthy. So if you're going to grind, I just, I personally, I don't, I don't believe in grinding. You, you know, if it doesn't work, um, don't, don't be married to an idea. Mm. You can divorce it. There's billions of ideas. There's always more. And I love that. The, the state of the world right now, there has never been a better time to have an idea and to test that idea with the absolute smallest number of resources. That's so brilliant. And that's going to be sobering for a lot of people and something that I'm going to have to think about a lot as well. But it makes perfect sense. And, you know, how old were you when lightning finally struck, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, so I'm 40 now. Um, okay. But I've been like, Kevin and I, who's one of our, my, my, Kevin and Brad are the, my business partners, but we've, we've been friends since kindergarten. And we've like done like lemonade stands and all, all things along the way. And so we've had like a lemonade some, stand. <laughs> oh yeah, we're yeah always lemonade like Kool Aid too. But uh, yeah, um, we we had like a bit of success when we were like in our twenties. Um, but I would say that it was like in a vacuum, um, and that that fell apart. And then we'd have like a little bit of success, and you know, honestly, it's uh, people think that like it's overnight success, but this is like overnight success twenty years in the making. So. It, this is the the first business that I've ever been a part of that that got to the the eight figure eight figures in revenue, and I cracked the seven. I've I've gotten to a couple of multi million dollar projects, but uh, you know, for for a lot of times that a million dollars a year in revenue doesn't really like when you have employees, it doesn't doesn't stretch very far. Wow. So this is the first time where we're actually I don't know, I don't want to say being successful, but like this is. It took 20 years, man. It took 20 years. 20 years. <laughs> yep. So is there hope for the TikTok generation? Or if you're not a young celebrity, your life is over? <laughs> I don't know. My kids are all into social, being YouTube stars, or uh, which I'm trying to, we're trying to keep at bay. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think I'm more concerned about, um, like, the future of the children socially and growing up in this environment, to me, uh, it's scary. It's unknown. Um, but I mean, some of these kids on TikTok, like those Island boys, man, I was sitting there like, you know, those guys with like the corn. Oh yeah. The Unfortunately Florida, I've been exposed know. to that piece uh, yeah, of human it's, garbage. It's, <laughs> it's terrible. I, I, oh, it's terrible. But like, I like, I last night it like popped up. I like looked at TikTok and it like popped on my feet and I'm like, I'm going to go see go. what else these guys are doing. And like, they, I just, I watched it for like 10 minutes. I'm like, I can't believe I just got sucked into this. Right. And, uh, it's like it's like so bad that it's good, but it's not even good. It's just like it's, I don't know. But, it's painful. Uh, it's a car. Yeah, crash. I guess that, that does that does scare me because it's like how 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 extreme are people willing to go to get attention? Because attention is a commodity now, and it's very difficult to uh, both acquire and hold. And like these guys have like tattooed their. their I don't think they're older than 18 or 19 they've like tattooed their whole face their whole body and uh i don't know about the hair but like that's an extreme commitment like i mean just for that much i i just don't want to see kids do these kinds of things to themselves for, for no results and 
I hope that's not what this world comes to. Right. And in my neighborhood, that means stacking 10 trampolines on top of each other for a YouTube video. I mean, just insanely dangerous things. One of the YouTube stars, he swings his friend around by his ankle with an excavator. They put David Dobrik, an excavator they put in a body of water somewhere, swinging him around. Oh, the excavator stops. He smashes into the thing, crushes his whole face, almost paralyzed. Like, oh, got a lot of views. And then... What happens later? Forced apology. Oh, hey, sorry, guys. Like, are you really sorry, though? That went almost exactly as you intended it to go. He just got injured. It was, yeah. Every part of it was a bad idea, but we're, we're rewarding that across it's like the, the evolution. Board, it's anyways. like the evolution of jackass. Yeah, right. Everybody's in jackass. Nobody read the warning because, again, that warning in MTV said, hey, don't try this. But there was another kind of message, which is, but these guys became millionaires by trying it. <laughs> Yeah. Don't do this, but they're celebrities. Yeah, yeah. And There's, that's what they did. And they've got another jackass coming out. They're still celebrities. And I still kind of want to see it, even though yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's man. the worst part. That's, I mean, exactly. Yeah. And it's you're like, still going to flip through TikTok and you're still going to say, well, what are those island boys up to? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, you know, it's, I, I, I am participating in perpetuating that behavior. And we all are. Yeah. Like, it's kind of, there's like, there's like, like all the there's all sorts of like layers of like moral onion you can pull back and like, I mean, if you really want to get self judgmental and figure out what things that you're maybe not doing perfectly, but again, nobody's perfect. You can't expect yourself to be perfect. You have to like you know you have to choose your battles. It's about winning the war, not winning the, not winning the. Uh, I don't know. That's probably a really terrible. I probably botched that, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Well, we've reached the end of our brief period of time here. I'd like to give you the floor to, uh, I want to be very respectful of your time here. We've reached the end of our hour. And I'd like to give you the floor. Where can people follow you? Where can they subscribe? Just anything you want to promote, floor is yours. Cool. So, so yeah, you can find me find me on, on Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, and uh, that's that's those are the two places you can find me. I just want to you know thank you for taking the time for having me on the show, Ross. It was really cool to hang out. Very cool. Pleasure was all mine. I am in awe of what you've been able to achieve. I think it's really remarkable. I'm glad that the mission has taken over from all of the pain points and problems. I'm glad that you're able to focus on something bigger than just money, which I think many more people need to do. And that's basically the premise of this whole show is trying to get people to think a little bit broader in how they spend their finite time, to your point earlier. So thank you. So much more fulfilling. Very much. Yeah, exactly. You have a reason to get up, and it's not just likes and followers. So anyways, with that, the official podcast is over. Isn't that the most amazing thing about stories like this? They make you feel like it's so easy. Sometimes in life, we feel that everything is so hard, so complicated, so difficult. But there's a reminder that we're all just a few steps away from unlocking something just like this. If we just get the right idea with the right people at the right time, we truly can start making an impact pretty quickly. So this really gives me a lot of inspiration and hope. And it's also very sobering, you know, as somebody who's put in so much time into something like this podcast and not seeing it grow incredibly much, it's sobering to see that, hey, maybe we should be investing our time in something that is uh, more valuable. So it's a lot of takeaways. I'm going to be asking a lot of questions, and maybe you are going to be asking questions about your own life. 
In either case, thank you for listening. I really appreciate you being here and for supporting the show. Obviously, if you haven't subscribed already, please subscribe, rate it five stars, share this episode. I'd really appreciate it. So thank you for listening to the Beat the Off and Path podcast, and I will see you next week.